Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is Volume 82. It is the week after the conference championship games in college football 2019. It is awards season. Later this week, Ryan McGee and myself will be down in Atlanta, Georgia to host the red carpet at the College Football Awards at the College Football Hall of Fame alongside Maria Taylor. And we've both received this massive list of players that we're going to chat with and it's just the latest thing that kind of makes me pinch myself about this job. It's crazy. You know, obviously if it's an award show, it's a who's who of who's done what this year very well. And as I've looked through my list of players and started to kind of prepare for what I might ask them in that couple three question moment, you just look at what these guys have done this year. And, you know, it's everybody from Burrow to Jalen Hurts to Justin Fields to Chase Young to Isaiah Simmons, all of the, all of the players that have already started to accrue national awards. We'll get the opportunity to chat with on Thursday. And we've had, uh, we've had quite a week. And so I thought I'd bring McGee out of hibernation What's following up? the SEC championship to, uh, just to hang out today. We don't really have an agenda. Uh, it's just going to be There's Marty and McGee unplugged. Hibernation. That's funny. Uh, like I, like I've slept since. Yeah, maybe, know, uh, like maybe, middle of August. Maybe, uh, maybe hibernation is the wrong term. Uh, I'll be hibernating in, uh, see, here's the thing, dude. Like, so you and I, we have all these, all these colleagues who just work football. And so they're all like, man, just get me to January 16th, whatever it is. Uh, you know, and I can sleep. I'm like, yeah, I leave for Daytona. Like, three weeks later right (laughs) right i mean we just don't and and you and i both do college basketball and it's just and and we're so so blessed but yeah there's no um there ain't no hibernating no there ain't no hibernating uh and that's a blessing it's a it's a great blessing to have the opportunity to be diverse in this company and and cover so many different things and the, the the great joy that comes from that for me is the people it's the opportunity to build, make and build and cultivate relationships with coaches and players from all different sports and, and all different levels of accomplishment. And they all have amazing stories. And that's my favorite part of this job, getting the opportunity to tell those stories. Uh, like Joe Burrow. I mean, you and I, you and I have been on the Burrow train long before, uh, he, he took the world by storm this season. And I had the opportunity last week to go up to Columbus and sit down with Urban. And then I went down to Dallas to sit down with JT Barrett. Just kind of get the guy that, you know, get, get perspective on the guy they knew in Columbus. And Urban told me he, he always knew that Joe had this kind of season in him. And then once he was in that, in that system, uh, it was just over with There's the Joe Brady system. Uh, Steve Ensminger have, have implemented in, in the Bayou, but, uh, it was the most interesting part was seeing the emotion in him, uh, discussing when he had to tell Burrow, Hey, Dwayne Haskins is winning this job and how he felt like he owed it to both of those families and certainly both of those players to make a very, very decisive, I guess decisive decision might be redundant. Decisive make, decision. Make a decisive decision to, to, all right, this is the guy. This is who we're going with your second string, and he knew that he was going to lose whoever that person was. It's not like he made the wrong choice. Right. You know, Dwayne Haskins threw for 50 touchdowns. Right. Led him to a Big Ten championship. Beat the brakes off of Michigan. Everything that you expect out of we'll, Ohio we'll State. We'll be in New York with Joe Burrow uh, this weekend. Right. And so 
So it, it's just fun. I love that part of it. I know you love that part of it. Yeah. No, it's uh, and and um, it wasn't interesting when you and I we had the opportunity to have the SEC Nation segment with Reese Davis and David Pollock, and I specifically mentioned the game that I mentioned with you multiple times on multiple shows this past week, which was that LSU Georgia game in 2018 that I covered. Um, out in Baton Rouge, and that was the day that I felt like Joe Burrow kind of grabbed my attention officially. Like he, I think he threw for 300 yards that day and a few touchdowns, and it was a slugfest with Georgia, and it was an upset win, and LSU has not looked back since that day. And it was interesting, wasn't it, that Reese Davis was like, well, I'll be the first one to admit I was not on board. He said that to us on SEC Nation, and, and it was – it was um and no one obviously watches the game closer than Reese does. And so it was, it's really been interesting to me to watch Burrow this year get this momentum. And, and to me, and I'm not a big NFL draft board guy because, I mean, right now all the candidates for the, for the MVP of the NFL are guys that you and I kept screaming to the NFL guys. Y'all should probably pay more attention to them, uh, with these quarterbacks in particular. And it has been fun watching everyone kind of suddenly all the NFL guys get on board with Burrow, who wasn't even on their radar at the start of the year. And just this morning I was watching Mel Kuyper talk about, you know, number one draft pick and no doubt about it. And, yeah, it's it's just fun. It's fun watching these guys and Justin Fields, who we knew, and Jalen Hurts, who will also be in New York this weekend at the Heisman, as a Heisman finalist. It's just it's fun watching these guys that, that we know are good guys and have worked hard have the success that they've always wanted their whole life. I remember when I really felt felt like Joe Burrow was a different breed. It was the spring game in 2017, I guess, before he or 18, before he transferred to uh, LSU. I guess it was 18, right, Travis? Right. And yeah. uh, and so they had this media session afterwards, and I think Coach Meyer spoke, as I recall. This is I don't think this is selective memory. This is how I remember it. And then there were players brought into that same room. And and Burrow had long hair at the time and he had like a headband kind of thing on and he was sitting across, he was sitting adjacent to the podium that Coach Meyer spoke at and was discussing that quarterback battle with Haskins. And to see his confidence that he had done everything possible to earn that job and felt like he he had earned that job. I was like, man, this guy is so direct in the way that he speaks for someone that young. Man, this guy's a different breed. I mean, I, I didn't know at that time, but it was the first time I can remember being really struck by that honesty. And then and I and I always enjoyed and appreciated his toughness. That was obvious for everybody to see, even when he was a backup at Ohio State. If you saw him play at all, there was this grit that comes with being a coach's kid. And then when he chose LSU, I, I remember my interest being piqued. And I remember thinking he's going to win that job immediately. I mean, he, he's going to go down there and he's going to claim that job. And then he shows up and wins every sprint and started that process of winning the team. He ultimately wins the job and became a game manager. He was a game manager in his, in his, um, penultimate season as a collegian and Nobody even paid him any mind except for us. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll be the first to say it. I mean, we, we loved his toughness. And so we anointed him the captain of the Marty McGee All-America team last year. Right. And so 
it was a joke. I mean, sure, it was a joke, but but we loved him and we meant it. Hell, we interviewed the guy probably three or four or five times on Marty and McGee. Yeah, I, I, the first time I really sat down and talked with him was during LSU's weekly media availability. It was really early in 2018, and you had told me about him. And I had talked to him like once when he was a, a Buckeye, and – they had the media day, and, and, you know, I can't remember what game it was now. It wasn't a huge game. It was really about the game that was still, like, weeks away, which was uh, which was the Alabama game. But I remember sitting down with him, and it takes a second to kind of get on his frequency. And it took me a second. You know, you kind of get in your routine, and you're interviewing this guy, and you're interviewing that guy. Okay, here comes the quarterback, and they march him in, and you sit down. And it took a, it took a few minutes, and then I was like, oh, this dude is smart like you know when you're talking to someone that might be a lot smarter than you are which happens to you and you and i both a lot whole lot yeah and and it takes you a minute to kind of reboot your brain a minute to speak their language or to understand what they're trying to say to you and that's how i felt when i was talking to joe burrow i had to kind of i had to really tap into my inner nerd to understand about half of what he said and it was awesome yeah and i, I told this story the other day on the show but it's worth it, – it bears repeating. So I asked JT Barrett for a story that truly encapsulates Joe Burrow because they're best friends. And as many of you may know or may have heard us say in the in the past few weeks, the very – Burrow told me the very first call he made when he heard Joe Brady's name for the first time was JT Barrett. Because JT had been on the practice squad for the New Orleans Saints – had worked with Joe Brady extensively in that role. And, I mean, it's a young guy. Joe Brady's – I think he's 30 now. He he might still be 29. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the young hot shoes in the game, uh, there's no there's no no brighter light on that list than, than Brady because of what this offense has done this year. But Burrow calls JT and he said, you guys are going to be best friends. And – one of those reasons is he is, is Brady's age. I mean, Joe Burrow's 22, 20. How old's Joe? How old's Joe? Probably 22 uh, or 23. Yeah, twi- yeah. He's 22 now. So he's 22, 23 years old. Joe Brady's 29. I mean, they may as well be brothers. Yeah, he's 23. And so, so I go to JT and I ask him that. Hey, man, what was that phone call? What did you tell him? And I said, give me that story that really encapsulates Joe Burrow for those of us who may not know him that way. And he said, man, I got the perfect one for you. He said, I actually, he said, actually, I got two. I got two great stories for you about Joe Burrow. He said, first, Stephen Collier, uh, a, another former Ohio State quarterback and another one of Joe Burrow's best friends. Stephen Collier and JT go to the Bayou on the week of the Ohio State Penn State game to support their buddy and see their buddy Joe Burrow light up a scoreboard. And they get there, and it's like Friday evening before the game, and it's the middle of the night. They're asleep in Joe Joe Burrow's apartment. Burrow walks in and wakes them up, middle of the night. Hey, y'all get up, get up. I got to show you what I bought. And they're like, what the hell, man? What? It's the middle of the night. And he holds up this T-shirt with a cat surfing on a slice of pizza. That's so Joe Burrow. And And JT's like, you woke us up for that, bro? Yeah, and and Burrow's like, man, this thing's awesome. Look at this damn thing. Look at this, look at this shirt, man. It's a cat on a pizza. 
And, you know, that he's like, that's Joe Burrow. And he said, let me tell you one more. He said, uh, he said, uh, so we're in a quarterback room and at Ohio State. And I asked Joe, you know, like Joe's like, man, you got to come home with me, man. You got to come, come over to Athens with me, dude. We'll, we'll hang out. And JT's like, I ain't going to Athens, Ohio, man. The Plains, what do y'all do out there anyway? What is there to do out there in the Plains, Ohio? And Burrow goes, man, we go to Walmart. And JT's like, Walmart? Yeah. He's like, yeah, man. He's like, people watching. He said, we go to Walmart. And we just sit there and people watch. It's the greatest thing, greatest thing you can ever, it's, it's awesome. It's the greatest people watching on the planet. And, and, and JT Barrett is about the most deadpan guy of all time. This dude's about to piss his pants because he's, t- he's like, Joe Burrow goes to Walmart, Marty. He goes to Walmart and watches people. That's what he does in the Plains. It's like, uh, another g- dude like from Ohio. Like Tommy Boy, right? Remember Tommy, the Tommy Boy? He, uh, Tommy Boy took his, uh, stepbrother out to the, just went cow tipping and then had to go to the gas station, hose themselves down. That, that's, I, I totally could see Joe Burrow doing that. That's what they do, man. According to JT Barrett, people watching the game in, uh, in the Plains, Ohio. Yeah. How, how many teams and coaches are just killing themselves over their lack of recruiting? I'm looking at the teams that offered Joe Burrow, Ohio State, Boston College, Central Michigan, Cincinnati, East Carolina, Fresno State, Iowa State, Kentucky, Maryland, Minnesota, NC State, Ohio, and Toledo. Oh, and Vandy and VT. Like, that's it. Virginia Tech was one that offered him? Now, here's the crazy thing, though. He's playing Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley was recruiting him at East Carolina. Right. Huh. That's interesting. The list of quarterbacks who, like, took a look at East Carolina is insane, and it's all because Lincoln Riley was sitting down there. Well, I can see why. He's only lighting up scoreboards with another transfer quarterback who walks around with a chip on his shoulder as big as the state of Oklahoma. I'm, also dude, I'm so happy finals. he's going to New York. I am too. He deserves I, to. I, dude. I, 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 I'm just, I mean, listen, I, I have had people, uh, jump on me a little bit about the fact that I'm so crazy about that guy, Jalen Hurts, but, but I just think it's, I think it's, it's one of the great stories. And I, oh, listen, we were just in the building. On Saturday, I will always go back to that national championship heartbreak. And I was the first one standing in the locker room. And when he showed up in the locker room, he was like, he just took the, he took the hits and had a big smile on his face. I was like, why would I be sad right now? And I was like, this guy. And to see him transfer out and to be in New York. And I just, to me, you and I've talked about this all the time. I've had this conversation with Justin Fields. I've had it with Tua. I've had it with, uh, with Jalen. I've had it with Burrow. You have too, which is the, the, everybody doesn't, people can't figure out how they feel about the transfer thing. Everyone's getting to play. Can you imagine if we, half of these guys would have had to sit if it wasn't for the fact that, uh, that transfer portal showed up? And I just think it's in this post Russell Wilson world, I, we're gifted by the fact that we get to watch these guys play. For more than just a year or two. And, uh, and some of them wouldn't have played at all. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at Burrow and you look at Hertz. They both, I, I love how they both did it too. I mean, they did it, they did it different than Fields did it. Burrow and Hertz took their medicine. They tried to grow as players. They both had setbacks and they both had some heartbreak, 
going to the schools that they initially chose. They both got degrees in three years, and they both transferred as alumni of Ohio State and Alabama, respectively. And it's so interesting to me that if LSU defeats Oklahoma and if Ohio State defeats Clemson, then Joe Burrow will play his alma mater for a national championship. Not just former teammates, right. not just a team that he played for, his freaking alma mater. Right. He will play for a national, against for a national title. <laughs> I think that's so cool. I is beyond cool. And I think it scares the absolute bejesus out of Ryan Day. Yeah. It should. And, and it um, should. And, and, you know, and you think he don't want that one, son? Oh. You don't think, you don't think every last ounce of his being ain't, I want, uh, I mean, I, he said when he left, I'm a, I'm forever a Buckeye. I am a Buckeye. Sure he is. But he don't, and, and he appreciates so much the fact that Ohio State's fan base, I saw a thing yesterday on social media where someone said, uh, you know, something about Ohio State fans saying they were glad Burrow transferred. You know, he, he never panned out. That is, I don't, every Ohio State fan I've ever spoken with about Joe Burrow is so thrilled for his success. I replied to that tweet just, nope, that's, that's not accurate. Yeah, Travis, who, who, how, how what, who was it and what was it, Travis? George I, I, Reister the third. Who? Some, um, person does, uh, radio for Fox, but yeah, like it's just absolutely false. Like, Okay. Like Ohio State fans, if they're being honest, when Joe Burrow was recruited, didn't think that he would be in this position. If they say neither that, did anyone else in the nation, nobody right. outside of the people recruiting him at Ohio State and those players believed that he would be this. But when he was leaving, Ohio State fans wanted to see him succeed and were happy for him, understanding that he went out there and tried to win the starting job and wasn't going to get it in Dwayne Haskins, and so he graduated, and people were happy for him. And right. Ohio State fans are still rooting for him. No one. No one. Urban Meyer, I said this off the top. Urban Meyer said to me, he knew Joe Burrow had this kind of season in him. Outside of the LSU locker room, and and I am quoting Urban Meyer, so I will say Urban Meyer. Maybe Ryan Day. I don't know. Nobody believed this could happen. I'm sorry. Don't, I, no, I don't, I don't believe you. If you say, oh, I knew Joe Burrow had 4,500 yards and 45 <laughs> touchdowns in him. Bulls. Yeah. Sugar. We, we didn't. We didn't. We did we And we were believers. Yeah. I was a believer in the man. Yeah. I was a believer in the toughness and the quirkiness that I love people who know who they are. It is such an endearing trait to me. And a guy who shows up in a shirt with a cat surfing on pizza or we were in the we were in the facility on Sunday for the selection show and my producer at that event Chris Kugler was going on and on laughing with me about this like taco cat shirt there's some shirt that says taco cat and the reason is because taco cat spelled backward is is taco cat and it's a cat with all four limbs poking out of a taco shell and Burrow hears us talking about it and goes, you got a picture of that shirt? Let me see that shirt. And he walks over and, and Kugler shows him the, the shirt and he goes, ooh, I like that. That's a good shirt. Man, that's a really good shirt. Like, I am so, I love this because I want people to embrace their nerd. 
And it's just like, you know, you listen, I, I interviewed all of those Ohio, or excuse me, I keep saying Ohio, those LSU offensive linemen, Sadiq Charles and Adrian McGee and Austin Deculus and Lloyd Cushenberry and on and on and on about what it's like to be a part of this Joe Burrow extravaganza. And they all start laughing. They're like, dude, this guy goes off on tangents about black holes and quasars and space and NASA. And I don't know what, and, and, and I don't know what he's talking about, but I sure do love how much he loves it. He showed up at one of the, uh, camps for Ohio State in a, a American flag with a, with wolves howling at the moon. That's so awesome. Yeah. Sounds like the shirt I wore on the blimp. No, he, he's, he's just, he is who he is and he embraces that. And that's why, you know, so it, it, you see players do the whole, the wave thing, right? Or some sort of hand signal or some sort of cocky move. And, you know, we asked him this question on Marty McGee on the television show, uh, back at the start of the season about the cockiness. And he's like, you know, I don't know that it's that, that cocky if you are backing it up. And it's kind of like the, the nerd thing. You know what? That's who he is. And you yeah. pull it off, you know, you can tell, you can sniff it out pretty quick if somebody's just doing something to just, tr- if they're trying too hard. And his whole thing about the wave. All. Yeah. His whole thing about the wave was they blew up his jersey on national television. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he, his, his offensive lineman told me a great story when, as I said, I, before the Texas A&M game, I was down there in Baton Rouge and I had the opportunity to interview six of that offensive line rotation, six members of that offensive line rotation. And to a man, they all told the story of sitting there at lunch and, or excuse me, at breakfast and their college game days on. And there's video of the, the Texas band. I think it was blowing up Burroughs Jersey with a cannon and Burrow puts his fork down and says, I'm about to go hang 400 on these boys. And he went and hang four set hung 470 on them. Yeah. And, that's when those guys were like, dude, this guy's a different breed. Like they just, they knew it was a completely different deal right then. And you got to think about this, bro. This was week two, before week two. All right. Yeah. He's gone and, and had a great game against Utah State in the opener, but this is Texas. This is big, bad, vaunted Texas. This is the game of the day. Everybody's saying Texas is back. And he, he's like, I'm about to go blow these boys up, man. No, it was, and went it was and did it. Else. And, yeah. and look, the same, we could shift this exact narrative to Jalen. Oh yeah. I am here with a mission. I have so much to prove, but I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to go do it. I've probably sent Jalen Hurts 15 text messages this year saying, Hey, I'm proud of you. Hey, keep balling, whatever. And he writes the same back every every single time. Ain't finished yet. Does he? Like, and, does he flinch? Watching him on the sideline in the game in overtime last week, he doesn't get phased by anything. He has the same nah. look on his face if he's up thirty, down twenty never in overtime. Like it's him, it's unreal. Yeah, and we were. It's funny. Marty and I were sitting together on the SEC Nation bus, and we were watching that overtime. And when they showed Jalen standing on the sideline, and they just gone in overtime, and then they showed Jalen Hurts uh, in the middle of the overtime on the sideline, and then they showed Jalen Hurts after the game had been won, standing on the sideline, and it was like they had taken the exact same shot, <laughs> just out on tape, and just dropped it in, and we were just we just started laughing. We're like, that's just him, 
And uh, he's just I'm, – I'm, I'm with Marty. I've never met anybody like it. And that's why, you know, it, it, it. I can't ever remember a player who went on to the next phase and you saw so many other people who had covered him rooting for him. Because we're not in the business of rooting for people. Him and Joe. But everybody. I mean, but yeah, but Jalen Hurts, though, Joe Burrow, as we said earlier, kind of snuck up on everybody. Jalen Hurts – was a Heisman candidate two years ago. Freshman, right. yeah. And, right. And, and, and so everybody, everybody was invested in him. Joe Burrow, people are, people, like you just said, everybody's a genius now in Joe Burrow. All of a sudden everybody's like, oh, I knew it. Yeah, I, I, I knew the, I knew, I knew he could do it. No, you didn't. Because if you knew that, you would have said something like we did a year ago. But, but in the case of Jalen Hurts, there's this entire media group who covered Alabama, particularly the people who covered the team. And they're all they're the, the they're so ecstatic that he's going to New York on Saturday. Well, you know, he's not going to win the Heisman, but they're so ecstatic that he get, is able to make the trip because a lot of people believed that he should have already made that trip. And so it's it's I've never seen a player win over people like he does, and he's just done it by being him. Well, the 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 the, the way that Jalen did it, and it was just so great, so much grace. Um, when, when you face that kind of adversity as a young, I mean, even now, I mean, I'm 43 years old and when I face, uh, 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 the kind of adversity where I think it's born, the, 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 I guess the, I guess adversity is the word I would use, but you face a situation where the, the, the crux of the, the crux of the insecurity would be they don't believe in me. For me, that's kind of the most difficult insecurity. And that was the, that was the scenario that Jalen was served. We are down to Georgia at halftime of the national championship. We believe this other person is more well suited to win the game. Were they right? Yes. But that doesn't change the fact that the emotion is what it is. And the vast majority of us would have sulked. The vast majority of us would have taken a completely different approach than that which Jalen took. Jalen was the first guy on – it doesn't mean he liked it. But he was the first guy on the field to congratulate Tua when he threw the first touchdown pass and he was the first guy to congratulate Tua when Tua threw one of the most famous passes in college football history. I think we all know where, how the vote's going to go for the Heisman Trophy, but the fact that he gets to be there and enjoy it and sit there, I can't wait to see him in Atlanta on Thursday night. It's going to be the biggest runaway in Heisman history. Um, and that's, you know, that's certainly no, that's no disrespect to the others involved, but I, I do believe it's, it's probably going to be an over, an overwhelming an overwhelming number. And uh, those other guys on any other year uh, would have a grass. I saw a stat. I forget which one of the uh, which one of the Cleveland.com guys did it. I, I follow them really closely because they do such a good job covering Ohio State. And there were all these numbers about Justin Fields and how great those numbers are. And it was basically, hey, in any other year, this guy – and it's just Joe, Joe Burrows had an historic year. 
I'm trying and to think. For the record, yeah, uh, trying, what the, the, I think the biggest Troy the big, Smith has ninety. He had ninety one point six percent of but the OJ. OJ is number one. No. Yeah, he is. No, he's not. Troy is. Troy's number one. Yes. Um, I don't think he is, but that's cool. That's Travis, that's because you hate Ohio you State. Have to no, look yeah, this that's up. what it's it is. You hate Ohio State. Well, and I also have been, I also shameless plug time have been researching an OJ Simpson Heisman piece for the last six months that will be on ESPN.com on Thursday. <laughs> um, I can't wait to once that thing posts, you're coming yeah. back on here, and we need to. I, although, yeah. Yeah, you need to come back on here because we don't have Marty and McGee again until January. Yeah, what's up with that? Speaking of um, Marty and McGee, yeah, talk about Saturday. What was Man, that like? Before we do that, I got to get one of these reads in. Hey, McGee, you know what, man? What? If you don't know your numbers, bro, you just don't know your business. That's true. The problem growing businesses like Marty and McGee have that keeps them from growing their numbers or knowing their numbers, one or the other, is their hodgepodge of business systems. Lord knows Marty McGee has a hodgepodge of business systems. Amen. They have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's just a big old inefficient mess. That sums up Marty and McGee, and it takes up too much time and too many resources, and that hurts the bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business is in an easy-to-use cloud form, and that gives you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, and accounting orders and HR instantly right from the desktop of your computer or the phone in your hand. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. And right now, NetSuite's offering you valuable insights with a free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at NetSuite.com slash Marty. That's NetSuite.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. Download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at NetSuite.com slash Marty. All right, now let's discuss Marty and McGee on Saturday. That was a hell of a scene. It was um, it was one of the most surreal moments of uh, my life, and I have watched the video back. So for for folks who did not see Marty McGee on Saturday from the SEC championship game, uh, we did not know this was coming, but the show started with the LSU band jumping into "Hold That Tiger." And then there was a sky cam shot <laughs> that was in the ceiling of the World Congress Center where they held Olympic events in 1996. And that sky cam went from, it went through this gigantic crowd who were, they were losing their mind, even the Georgia fans, when the Hold That Tiger thing started. And then it went to you and me, and we were supposed to do this whole, hey, everybody, welcome to Marty McGee or whatever. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. We just started hollering and yelling and jumping up and down. Was... Well, it was pretty neat, man, because I I was genuinely speechless. I didn't know what to say, I and neither. so I just didn't. Yeah. But that was really cool because, you know, Jim Nance said something to me one time. Uh, actually, it was last, what, last April, I guess, before the Masters. Travis and I did that Masters podcast. And the very first interview that we did for the official Masters podcast was Jim Nance. And he said that the, the, one of the former great uh, uh, producers for CBS told Jim Nance, sometimes the best thing to say is 
to say nothing. Yep. And let that atmosphere and let that moment breathe. And I sort of feel like that maybe four or five seconds into it, you and I both realized that without even talking to each other. We had no idea this was going to happen. Yeah. And hearing that band and hearing that crowd and just embracing that moment was such a cool thing. And I then felt compelled to say exactly what you and I always say is that when we were little kids, we dreamed of being around sports somehow. I didn't know how. I just wanted to be around sports. I thought I was going to be a player. I lacked something called athleticism that thwarted that and then kind of fell into media and, and you and I have been really fortunate to have made a neat little niche, but we never thought that our niche would look or sound like that. It wasn't that little on Saturday. And, you know, that, that's the thing is I think that, that we were so fortunate, um, we're so fortunate that we get to do what we get to do, but we do it in this studio. And this year we have had the opportunity to take it on the road a little bit. And, um, and it's just been the reaction from people has been, has been, uh, I did not see that coming. Humbling. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was, and I try not to like on social media, I try not to like post stuff that I feel like is braggy because you and I both, again, we get to do things on an almost daily basis that we didn't ever think we would be able to do. But uh, but I have posted that video shamelessly everywhere I possibly can. Because I just, I will say, you two are the worst two self promoters. So <laughs> <laughs> the absolute worst. So yes, yeah, I might so have to change to that philosophy, man. Well, you're quitting to... Twitter. You're quitting Twitter in like three weeks. I don't want to hear it. The, I uh, might have to change that philosophy. I've learned some things in recent times that. We're, I, I'm not taking the right approach. I don't think um, the Georgia the fans, though. I was. I granted it was in Atlanta, so it's easy for them to get there. But man, they brought it, and those fans, I think, were louder than the so LSU, did LSU fans LSU, there. Man. Like it was. I mean, it was hard to hear you guys at the beginning of the show. Oh, we couldn't hear each other, and, and it was funny because I had to. Uh, I, I'm I'm writing this story about Herschel Walker for Thursday night for the College Football Awards, and I'm I was supposed to record the audio for it on Sunday, and I couldn't do it. Because we were screaming at each other trying to do the show on Saturday. And at the time, I didn't really realize it. And the adrenaline's going or whatever. But then I got <laughs> on the, the way home Saturday night. I, Erica called me and I was like, I sounded like Lou Rawls, right? I had to, I couldn't do it. And then by Sunday morning, I had no voice at all. And so, uh, but it was, man, what a, what a ridiculous day. And then, then, then we had the chance to talk to, um, a couple of SEC legends, uh, Ray Perkins and Vince Dooley, and the interviews weren't awesome, but the fact that we met them was, and Ray Perkins had his Super Bowl five ring on and was just matter of fact about it, like he was wearing his class ring from his high school. And uh, and then we, you know, we got to sit with Reese and, and Pollock, and we had Chase Elliott on, and it just was it was, it was, it was a great day. It was a fantastic day, and we just the, – the cool part is, uh, Travis, you'll appreciate this, so – there's this thing that happens. We we're, we go to these events, and I was not in Knoxville for when SEC Nation went to Tennessee. But everywhere else we go, Marty, there's always a handful of Tennessee people who will who come find me. And they there's this, there's a sea of red, and there's this sea of you know purple and, and gold. And I look, and there's always like two dudes wearing their Tennessee orange, and all they do is they just point at me and nod. 
I'm like, all right, guys, what's up? One old guy, one old guy stepped on a landmine in 1968, and he wanted to give me a button, uh, a Tennessee button. So you know, it's my people. They found, they find me, and it's uh, the Ohio State people. Uh, they find me, but they uh, they don't point at me. They they point at me with a different finger, Travis. We, they point at you, and then they then they throw. Then they throw Crown Royal balls at me because you hate our team. Uh, I do so much, Travis. If you didn't know McGee, what would your opinion be? <laughs> oh, he hates Ohio State. It's clear. Clear as day. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, people probably think I'm being serious that he hates Ohio State. So uh, yeah. the, the the best story that was we had a mutual friend, Marty and I did. And she, PR extraordinaire, she was nationwide forever, Bristol Motor Speedway. And she went on like a, uh, like a date, like she met, you know, like an internet dating deal and never met this guy, you know, blind date and showed up and he's like, so what, Lisa Cox, so what do you do? I do so and so and so and so and so and so. Well, uh, what do you do? Well, I work in NASCAR and I do PR and this and that and, uh, and she's like, oh, you know, I, some of my friends, you might have heard of them. And she kind of went down the list, and she said, and, and Ryan McGee's a really good friend of mine. And he, he got up and left. Literally, like, got up and left. This was in Columbus, Ohio. That's so cool. He's like, your that's friend, the coolest screw endorsement you, and you got up possibly left. have. Yeah. I don't know, man. McGee sent me um, a text Saturday night when things were going bad for Iowa State. He goes, just a heads up. This is totally my fault that Iowa State is down two touchdowns. I'm not <laughs> sure how, but I'm pretty sure it's my fault. <laughs> <sighs> Good times. I was a few was Tito's expecting, in then. I was expecting some some great analysis right there. Um, basically, what we're saying is how irrational fans can be. And yeah. I saw this quote today that just made my whole day. It made my whole day. Sean Payton, head coach for the New Orleans Saints, went for two early in the game against the 49ers on Sunday. They wound up losing, by I, th- I think, by two. Or maybe by three, whatever. I know the Niners hit a field goal to win it. And so Peyton gets asked on his coaching show about that decision. And he's like, you know, talking about how everybody's on his ass about going for two and whatever else. And he says, I got the guy at the freaking Whole Foods asking me about the two-point play. The guy from the meat section. (laughs) I look at him. I say, hey, your steaks don't look too good right now. How about you worry about your meat? (laughs) (laughs) I laughed. My, I, you don't even know how hard I laughed about that. And by the way, it was, it was Becky Cox. Remember well, our friend Becky can, Cox? All I can tell you is this. Sean Payton, you're the man. That's right. Everybody just worry about your own meat. Spe- <laughs> That's all your I own meat. Speaking of fans, how about the Ole Miss fan talking to Lane oh. Kiffin? Did you see that, Marty? Oh, so Lane is. Kiffin is working that line and – and I watched the video. I'm like, well, that's cool. And then I watched it again, and I went, wait. And I retweeted it. And I go, did that dude just say to Lane Kiffin, as Lane Kiffin was handing him back his baby, did that guy just say, uh, get you a burner phone? He said it very matter-of-fact, like, try, yeah. the, try the chicken parm. Get you a burner phone now. And he, and he smiled. And I think the guy was joking. But I retweeted. I said, did that goddamn guy just say, get you a burner phone? And that tweet blew up because it was like, I think there were probably a handful of us who were like, wait a minute, because a local TV station posted it, and I don't think they realized what the guy had said to start off with. But, yeah, that's exactly what he said. And it's not bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> the league uh, just got more fun. That's all I know. Oh, yeah. Hey, son, how 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 crazy 
is are, are the Marty McGee SEC coaches shows going to be next year? Well, if we get to do them, uh, they're going to be they're going to be awesome. Uh, we, you know, we're going to have the stalwarts, but then now we're adding we're adding Coach Kiffin, and we're adding a guy at Arkansas that is an internet legend. Yeah. Yeah, boy. Oh, the the uh, Sam Pittman is bonkers. And now, I mean, as we're recording this, it's become official that Eli Drinkwitz is taking the Missouri job uh, from Appalachian State. And you, he's got big shoes to fill. But at you're going to yeah, McGee coaches you, convention. You're going to dig that guy, though. Um, we're not very happy about Barry Odom being gone, but you'll dig. Uh, you'll dig old Drinkwitz. He he opened up. The one press conference of his I attended this year when I wrote my App State story, he walked up to the podium and there was some random pair of sunglasses like on the podium that weren't his. And he put them on and he went and got a hat and put it on. And he goes, hey, check it out. I'm Eric Church. <laughs> App State grad, by the way. Yes, sir. It was, uh, but yeah, you, you'll, oh, but between, between the, uh, between old Holler and Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkwitz and, the lane train. Uh, we got Coach some t- Pittman may have the greatest woo pig ever. I mean, his his vocal cords are already warmed up. Hey, yeah. if y'all haven't seen this dude on the internet, you just just Google him because he has this whole thing he does that I mean it it makes me laugh like a lot. It's just funny. Go well, on there our, and look our, at it. Our boy uh, Wes Blankenship of Coffee Town he posted a. Uh, he posted a hilarious, like a compilation of all the times Sam Pittman on Twitter uh, was hollering and carrying on. And he says, was, "Yeah, boy," right? He says, "Yeah, boy," and sometimes it goes on for like twenty seconds. So funny. And in one, Kirby Smart looks like he's about to wet his britches because he's he laughing does. so hard. He totally does. His Lego hair even moves. <laughs> oh, Kirby. Uh, let's see here, uh, McGee. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna enlighten you. You ready to be enlightened? Always. Growing businesses is hard, especially when you're wasting hours every day moving data from emails to spreadsheets to your CRM or wherever. Shouldn't that kind of stuff just happen without you even lifting a finger? Well, Zapier can help you. <laughs> Zapier's the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most. No more wasting your time on tasks you know could be automated because that's exactly what Zapier does. Just go to our special link, zapier.com slash Marty. Connect the apps you use most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to a CRM or spreadsheet, then notify your team that they can act fast on every opportunity. That's just scratching the surface. Zapier supports more than 1,500 business applications, so the possibilities are endless. Join more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours a month. 40 hours a month by using Zapier. Right now, through the end of the month, try Zapier free by going to our special link, zapier.com slash Marty. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash Marty. You get a 14-day free trial. Zapier.com slash Marty. We're making business easy today, son. Yeah, I'm taking notes because uh, it's about tax time for McGee Communications and Entertainment Incorporated, so I'm uh, taking notes for all this. Yeah, well, here in a minute we'll be discussing ZipRecruiter, so you can take notes on that too. I can find uh, me, if I can recruit someone to come and help me with this stuff. There you go. 
all you got to do is just you know, go right to ziprecruiter.com and they'll find the candidate for you. I mean, you, they'll find you the right CPA and everything. I need one because I'm not, I'm not the right CPA. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to the Peach Bowl. I'm looking forward to the Fiesta Bowl. Man, that Fiesta Bowl is going to be gnarly. Yeah. Really? No, it's, um, I, I have thoroughly enjoyed, you know, we get so caught up in the playoff and we get so caught up in conference championship games, which means so much now versus the pre-playoff days that I love sitting down and looking at the bowls and figuring out, Hey, how about, um, speaking of Tennessee, how about Tennessee and Indiana? Uh, in a, going down to the Gator Bowl in a 1988 Peach Bowl rematch. Like Indiana football has kind of been under the radar this year, but, but I, I say this all the time. The best part of riding the bottom 10 are when the teams turn it around. And there's so many teams in bowl games that were just bottom 10 stalwarts not that long ago. And, uh, that's my favorite part. Is when those teams and those coaches that have worked so hard finally get it turned around and get to go to a bowl game somewhere. Stalwart's a pretty solid word. You like that? Mm-hmm. That means like like they're in there a lot, right? Like they yes, they are staunchly they're, they're a mainstay. The right, but main like you state. know, Kent State and Liberty and Eastern Michigan and Georgia State. And I mean, these are all like former bottom ten champions. Charlotte, they're all going to bowl games, man. Charlotte's going to Bahamas Bowl. How great is that? That's pretty good. I'm not I, sure it gets better. Now. You should get sent to that since you used to cover them so much. Right. Well, uh, that's how. That's how. Well, Marty. So Marty, I don't know if you heard of Marty and I are shamelessly like we're moving into overdrive now because now we're within almost almost inside of a calendar year from the inaugural Mortal Beach Bowl. So Marty and I are shamelessly like lobbying. Don't you think we should be in the booth for that? No. Travis, are you overwhelmed by this decision? <laughs> he doesn't. He I, was doesn't. Wait, I was waiting for Marty to talk. He doesn't. Th- I was asking you. Oh, yeah, yes. You should definitely be that. There's a few bowls. I think you guys should get like the Cheez-It Bowl, like uh, the Bahamas Bowl. Like they need to look at some of these and like the Cheez-It I feel like is just meant for us. We're going to have, uh, when we when we are the play by play team for the inaugural Myrtle Beach Bowl, we're gonna have breezes, right? Make us some airbrush T shirts, right? That just oh, yeah. say Marty plus McGee, <laughs> and they look like a license plate in front and of like a blue sunset. <laughs> that's exactly right, man. Like maybe a surfer out there, or like a oh, pelican, yeah. or oh, something yeah. like you know, pink flamingo. Oh yeah, and I mean we can. Dude, we'll get golf myrtle. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll go, we'll go full hog. Oh yeah. Full hog on this thing. Free gift certificates to every restaurant, every buffet on restaurant row. I'm going to get me a Mother Fletcher's t-shirt. Get a a hat from the Magic Attic. We could go to the Hard Rock Cafe and eat some dinner. (laughs) Go down to the, go down to the Planet Hollywood. Go down, hey, go down to the NASCAR Cafe, which is now just. Is that thing still open? No, it's empty. It's like a ghost town down there. It's like, uh, I think the, I think the NASCAR Speed Park is still open, but you can no longer go to the NASCAR Cafe and get you a Nitro Burger or whatever they had. I don't know when they need to do a mega cast for that bowl and give you guys a side. (laughs) Oh my gosh. We'll probably be in the blimp. I mean, that would be the most afro pro thing ever. And like the guest list, I mean, we would have a conga line 
Yeah, of, see, that's why you can't do the the being the blimp is because we need the guests to come through. Right. I mean, can you imagine? I, I mean, Darius Rucker would be the one of the first ones to come through. Oh yeah, no, I'm serious. It's it's just it's well, and just like and like my old my old college roommate from Traverse West South Carolina, Dirty Dirty McCall. We'll have Dirty McCall in the booth for a core. Why not? I mean, it's, Dirty and I had a big time Myrtle Beach back in the day. I'm telling you, it, w- it would be we talk about Xanadu bringing all, but we, like we can, uh, I can see it now coming in and out of break, just showing people shagging, which is a dance, by the way. Any British people who listen to the <laughs> yeah, like, night, what are you talking it's about? Not what you it think. was a yeah. movie. You remember yeah. that movie Shag when I Bridget first Fonda. met Laney? When I first met Laney, I reminded her of that guy Chip in that yeah. Shag movie. <laughs> remember Chip in that yeah. Shag movie? Bridget yeah. Fonda was in that movie. Yeah, I'm telling Bridget you, it, it, it would be, was it'd she, be off the What chart. was Bridget Fonda's character called? Like Chunk or something? I can't remember, man. Pudge. Yeah. It was Pudge. Was it Pudge? Maybe that wasn't Bridget Fonda. That might have been a different actress. No, I, Bridget Fonda was the star. Hold on, man. I'm Googling this mess. Just wait a minute. Let me see. No, I'm telling you, it, it, it would be... Shag Pudge. I'm going to see who that who was. Who would the other guests be? So, hey, so, Travis, the only time that I have ever had a... Like, like I created a trending topic on Twitter. Like, like went national trending was... We were sitting at uh, Melania. Melania... Melina, Melina. Yeah, that was Annabeth Gish. Annabeth Gish. So, I, the only time I got a topic trending was we're sitting in Omaha, Nebraska, in the rain, and Coastal Carolina, who, which is located in Conway, right outside of Myrtle Beach, had just made the College World Series finals, and I got a hashtag trending. It was hashtag if Coastal wins, and it was like if Coastal wins. Everybody gets a free T-shirt from Mother Fletcher's. And if Coastal wins, we're all headed down at the pavilion to get funnel cakes. And it was all Myrtle Beach-related stuff, and it, people went crazy. And I was like, all right, so we'll just get that going. Myrtle Beach Bowl, son. We should have Dustin Johnson as our sideline reporter. A hundred percent. I mean, he's a Coastal graduate, isn't he? Or yeah. I guess he went there. I don't know if he graduated or not. We have some guy from Ripley's, believe it or not, like bring you know, four-headed snakes up to the booth. This has to happen. No, you just sit there, do, try to do an entire offensive series play-by-play while eating a box of saltwater taffy. Hillbilly What's headlines? the saltwater taffy brand? Is there a specific brand? I, there's some guy that you stand in, look, watch in the window and watch some guy make it. When I lived what in New England. What makes saltwater taffy saltwater taffy? Do they, like, I don't know. There's a big machine. Makes it like, up with saltwater? these mechanical arms that just stretch this stuff. And, Yeah. When I Remember in- Laffy Taffy when we were kids? Yes. There's literally a box that says Myrtle Beach gift box of saltwater taffy. That's it. That's so good. When I lived in the Northeast, I had all these guys I worked with that took me to the Jersey Shore. We did all the Springsteen stuff. And they were like, hey, man, you know what? We got it. You got to come down here and get you some genuine Jersey Shore saltwater taffy. It's a, it's it, You can only get it in New Jersey. I'm like, all right. And we go to this store, and they bought a box of saltwater taffy, handed it to me. I go, look here, geniuses. And I flipped the box upside down, and it said, proudly made in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. There you go. Huh. Huh. Myrtle Beach Bowl, son. Ed Placey. Come on. I remember the first time I went to Virginia Beach when I was a kid. I was probably in, like, seventh grade, something like that. And I had this inflatable raft thing. <laughs> and it had a it had a rope on it. 
And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go out here in this wave, and I'm going to ride this inflatable raft with this rope on it. I'm going to hold on this rope, and I'll be all good. That wave kicked my ass, son. And I went flipping over, and the tide was in, and so it was like shells everywhere, and it just, like, destroyed my back, and I was whiter than Casper the Ghost, and I had on <laughs> SPF 6 million, and it didn't matter, and I'm bleeding now. Oh, man, it was a spectacle. My poor parents. My dad's that, like, total tourist nerd walking around with binoculars around his neck, and it was just a <laughs> clamp that's come to the beach, son. <laughs> Mountain people at the beach, look out. Well, my brother always tells a story about going to the beach with the youth group and, like, going to do some mission work, like, down at Myrtle Beach. Like, I don't know. I, I guess, like, uh, I guess they were repairing houses after a hurricane or they were just, or they were just walking around, you know, trying to tell people about Jesus and how they're all had their t-shirts on, like, Travers Rest, First Baptist, youth group t-shirts. <laughs> Them trying to walk up and down Ocean Boulevard and also look cool. In Myrtle Beach, tough. I don't think it went that great. No, that's a tough. That's a tough task. I remember my senior trip, my senior beach trip after I graduated from high school. We went. I don't even remember where we went. We might have gone to Myrtle. I don't remember what beach it was. Unfortunately, I think it might have been Myrtle Beach. Anyway, you remember what I what stands out most about that trip to me is that song "Loser" by Beck. That wow. song was on in every like we would go to like arcades. We were you know we were oh, dorks. Yeah. We didn't drink or nothing like that. We were like total, you know, good kids. And I didn't drink till I was in college. And so I get to you know we're at Myrtle Beach on the senior week. We ain't got nothing to do, so we'd go into this arcade. Like everything we went into was I'm a loser, baby. So why <laughs> that was don't you song. kill me? That was the jam, I guess, that summer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Magic, Magic Attic was the one. Cause it, Magic Attic was this, uh. I don't even know what song that is. Magic Attic was this, like, dance club. But, like, a couple of nights a week, they would do, um, they'd lick high school kids in. And obviously, they didn't have alcohol or anything, but they'd lick high school kids in, and you'd go into Magic Attic. Yeah, they had, they had the Sun Fun Festival, the Hurricane, that was the big, uh, the big wooden roller coaster. I'm telling you, man, Dixie Stampede. That's what we need to do. Uh, get get some folks from the Dixie Stampede to come up there. It's like a pirate show. It's Dolly Parton's pirate show now. Like you eat dinner and watch these pirates sing country songs. Dolly Parton knows some pirates. Yeah, do, no. It used to be the Dixie Stampede where you sit there and watch the North and the South battle it out while you ate rotisserie chicken. <laughs> and then they so it's it. the Civil War, right? It's the Civil War oh, reenacted yeah. over oh, some yeah. meatloaf and cornbread. Oh, it was great. There was one. There was one in Pigeon Forge, and there was one in Myrtle Beach. And Dolly's Dolly Parton's Dixie Stampede, and then eventually she changed that. And um, and now it's like a pirate show. Now you like watch Dolly Parton sing about pirates, and there's pirates and mermaids, and yeah. So it's Robert E. Lee meets. Black Jack Sparrow, right? Well, I mean, it used what, to be Robert E. Lee. Now it's now it's just now, now it's, Jack, it's Sparrow. Just Jack Sparrow. Captain Hook. Robert E. Lee with eye yeah. black on. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. With a sword. Yeah, like a big yeah. I'll tell did, you, man. Did good. Robert E. Lee? What about Robert E. Lee wearing a wearing a sash? <laughs> tell me, get out and walk them all, pottery. Get you some. Wayne and I were just talking about walk them all yesterday. Yeah. Get you some knickknacks and put them in the booth. My dad called the walk them all the whacker nut. <laughs> he'd say, he'd say, Joy, where are you going? And she'd say, I'm going to walk him on. He'd say, All right, the whacker nut. There you go. 
go down to the Gay Dolphin. Yesterday would have been my mom's 69th birthday. Really? Yep. Yes, sir. She would have been 69 years old yesterday. Wow. December 9th, mom's birthday. That's why I wore number nine my whole life. There you go. Um, hey, speaking of South Carolina, I've told you that's who we have to have in the booth with us is, uh, we had a guy on the Travers Rest High School baseball team, the nine fingered bandit, because he only had nine fingers and he, what was happened number, to the 10th? Which he, finger was missing? He, he, it was the trigger finger on his non throwing hand. And he was, was he right, a righty? He's a right fielder. Yeah. Right fielder on the baseball team. And, uh, and, uh, Keith Keener, he's, uh, he's in, uh, he's, uh, works at one of the big medical centers up near Penn State. You know, he, uh, he was the man, but he was, he was the most Travis Rest dude that there's ever been and ever will be. And, uh, had the mullet and the whole thing. And when he, when he would fire off a throw from right field, he would throw it so hard. He would jump up in the air and throw it and cut a flip. Like he would literally like cut a flip and pop up. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. And uh, we'd have to have him in the booth, I think, for the Myrtle Beach Bowl. What happened but, to that 10th finger? I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question. But he was always no, – I, I always wore number nine. And then we moved down to Travers Rest, and everybody's like, number nine – nobody wears number nine but Keith. I'm like, why? Because like, he's the nine-fingered bandit. Well, I mean, that's a pretty good reason. You got yeah. you do oh, have yeah. to give him credit for that. No, no. It's, uh, it's, it, if you lose a digit, then you get to wear whatever number you want. Travis, how you, you hanging in there? Yes. How's, how's this going for you? So I'm, I'm looking at the other bowl games, and I mentioned the Cheez-It Bowl. That is Washington State. If nobody asks Mike Leach to rank his, like, Cheez-Its or snacks, right. they have failed. Yeah. My grandmother, my, my Mimi, my mom's mom, my maternal grandmother, she makes this made this stuff uh, called hot chicken salad. And it was basically this kind of casserole deal that had all these layers to it and it had, it had like, you know, you chunk chicken and throw it in there and you had like mayo and all this stuff. Anyway, long story short, her topping before she put it in the oven to bake it was always crushed up Cheez-Its. Now we're talking. Well, one day she wow. ain't had no Cheez-Its. And so you know what she crushed up and put on top of, uh, on top of the hot chicken salad? Frosted flakes. What? Let me tell you about taking it to a whole other plateau. Right. Because it went from this salty, you know, the, the, it was a, it, the, when you, when you baked the Cheez Its, it made this s- sort of hardened top, right? Like this crispy ish top. And then when you put the, it, it, but it was salty, it added this salty appeal. Well, when you put the frosted flakes on there, it became a sweet appeal. And it was it went from dinner to dessert, real quick. So which did you prefer? I don't know, man. That's a. I guess it depends on what I'm after. Because I'm a big I'm a big fan of Cheez-Its, so I'm rolling with the Cheez-Its all day. Are Cheez-Its and goldfish the same thing? No, in different shapes. No, no, they they're but that's like like kids prefer goldfish it's like the cousin and adults prefer cheez-its and then but you know you i we would push cheez-its off on my daughter if we were out of goldfish like cheez-its are so there's so many flavors and things it's like it's the more athletic like relative in the family more robust yeah like cheez-its is a five-star recruit you're giving cheez-its a five-star recruiting grade in the snacking department yeah 
What's the greatest snack? What's the most fulfilling snack? I think Cheez-Its might be it for me. Really? Really? Because there's so many. That's a big, that's big, Travis. So that's many, a big admission. There's so many options. What would you go with? I'm not really sure. Uh. Like pretzels are good, but it's very limited in what they do. Like it's no, an, I'm like, not a pretzel. Pretzels I'm are like pretzel a nice, guy. like left tackle. Like it's great, but. I'm a big, uh, this comes from my mom. I'm a big, like peanut guy. I was going to say the same Crack thing. Jacks. All I eat is like mixed nuts. I eat almonds. Yeah, me too. And I eat peanut. almonds. Yeah, I eat almost like somebody's going to come take them away from me. I do too, but that's really boring. Like we're total nutrition nerds if we go to but, the mixed nuts but area. You go with the but but you go to the grocery store now and there's just I mean aisles of almonds. Like you can go whatever flavor you want. Sign up. Mickey just sent a photo of the nine finger bandit. I can't stop laughing. No, all right. So so I just sent you guys a picture of the nine finger bandit and he's sitting on the hood of his car and he has a bullhorn and there's a story right there. So Keith got in trouble and he, he got thrown off the base. He got suspended for the baseball team for like a game. And I'm doing at this point, I'm not, I'm, I'm doing the PA at the ballpark, uh, there in Travers rest. And Keith was told by the coach specifically, I don't want you anywhere. I don't want to be able to see you from the baseball field. He was so mad. I can't remember what Keith did, did something. And so Keith proceeded to park his car just above, just past the tree line where you couldn't see him. And he had that bullhorn and he spent the entire game yelling through the trees. I still love y'all. Number nine still loves y'all. Like for two hours. Small town USA right there. That's like some, uh, that's like that, uh, uh, what the hell's that movie, man? The, the football movie. The high school football movie. Varsity Blues? Yeah. Greatest it is like Varsity It's the, it's the yeah. greatest sports movie of all time. It's very much Varsity Blues-ish. And, uh, it's like, it's like when old, old big boy sitting on the. Billy Bob? Uh, Billy Bob sitting on the tailgate of that truck with that pig. Bacon. Slamming beers and firing off shotguns. I mean, dude, that was our life. Well, I'm telling you, Keener was, uh, and I'm proud of him. He's doing great. He's uh he's a baseball guy, and he's had daughters, and they're all like incredible softball player. He lives up near Penn State somewhere. Every time I'm up there, he's like, "Dude, why didn't you hit me up?" But anyhow, I just want y'all to know that uh, the Nine Finger Bandit, uh, probably second only to Ted Williams for uh, baseball players who played nine who who wore the number nine. No offense, Marty. I didn't realize that. Uh, Marty Smith's America was like a business resolution podcast, but it is. McGee hiring can be challenging. There's one place you can go where hiring is really simple, fast, smart. Growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a new game artist to grow with her education tech company. But then she switched to ZipRecruiter. She saw immediate results. You can too by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. Because ZipRecruiter does not depend on candidates finding you, McGee. It finds them for you. In fact, after posting her job on ZipRecruiter, Gretchen was blown away how quickly she found qualified candidates. She hired a new game artist in less than two weeks. With results like that, it's no wonder four of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter have a qualified candidate in the first day. 
ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. We're helping businesses. I'll tell you that much. Oh, and Doritos. Doritos and Cheezos would be my one and two. That just came to yeah. me. Doritos. Like regular Doritos? Cool. I'm a Cool Ranch. I'm Team Cool Ranch. If you give me nachos, I'm cool with that too, but I, I, I go with Cool Ranch. My daughter discovered Cool Ranch Doritos for the first time, like a, a party of a friend of hers or something, and um, now that's all she wants. Yeah. Cool yeah, Ranch pretty is good. Addictive. Pringles are a problem. No, Pringles pr- are Pringles, one of those You know things. what? That's a good call. I would sit there and eat. Like if you don't take them away from me, I'm probably that would be yeah, if I had to do my top four for our playoffs. I think I would Cheez Its, Doritos, Pringles. I don't know who the fourth would be. So wait, so I like, I'm a big popcorn guy. I love kettle dude, corn. I could do like I'll, I'll eat kettle corn, but like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll eat a bag. I'll eat a hundred calorie bag of popcorn every night for the rest of my life. So, but where where are we limiting the the pool here is it are we going are we going like crunchy snacks or are we like veering over here towards swedish fish and gummy bears and no see that's candy okay that's candy so we're going we're staying in in like the chips right i think of it as like something that you would have while watching a football game that goes with your drink like i'm not having swedish fish with my titos right mm-hmm. But I, I, I would have the Lay's kettle chips. They always have on the SEC Nation bus, there's always a big bowl of sour gummies. Like the sour gummies Man. that are covered up in our, covered in like sugar. And I watched Steve Spurrier one time eat maybe a half a pound of them. <laughs> and nobody else was on the bus. It was me, Coach Spurrier, and his wife. And he's waiting to go on the show. He was at the cocktail party a couple years ago. And He's just standing over that bowl, just throwing down. He's a big, you know, he's a big health food guy. And he was just throwing those things. I can't, can't quit eating these. My grandkids showed them to me. I just can't quit eating these. McGee, come take these things away from me. I was like, it was one of the weirdest experiences of my life. Well, so I am, I try really hard not to. I love Skittles a lot. Like I love Skittles. I think it's the, I think it's the chewy, aspect like the gnawing aspect and then it meets that sour sweet and sour medium range right so i really like all of that at the same time so i'm a big skittles guy but i try not to eat them uh i try really hard not to eat them because it's all that simple sugar man like you're just i'd end up bouncing off the walls that's me with starburst jelly beans oh they get me every time well, when I ran the Boston Marathon, anytime I've run a marathon, a lot of, a lot of endurance athletes will use goo or they'll use energy chews, those kinds of things. What I would do is I would chew a huge wad of Skittles, almost like a chewing tobacco wad. And then I would pack it in my lip. Like I would just get, get it chewed into a ball and then I'd pack it all the way around my gum like a dip, like snuff, and just let that sugar that steadily make its way into my bloodstream. Get some wow. of that. Wow. Is that pretty scientific? Yeah. 
That's very sensitive. I'm going to tell you this, Jack. You get to 17, 18 miles into a marathon, you can literally feel it. You you can feel that sugar hitting your blood. It's wild. It's a wild sensation. I've never made it to mile 17. Travis, what's your farthest race you've ever run? Uh, So I did cross country like my freshman year of high school. That's so, a 5K? Yeah. So that's okay. probably the most I've done. McGee is a former track world champion so he probably ran or he might have been a sprinter were you a sprinter i was a middle distance guy i was a sprinter i mean i ran i ran sprints and relays the uh you but I, you middle distance a, was, is a sprinter you're going was, as hard yeah. as you damn can i was a 400 800 guy and then Brilliant. uh and then relays i'd run i was really good in the turns so i was always on relays that I always, i'd run the four by two and four by one i'd put me in a turn but i i ran the charlotte observer marathon once and when i first moved to charlotte long time ago and um and it was the actually it was actually it was the course they actually used for the olympic trials that year for atlanta 96 and i crossed the finish line and had friends and family waiting on me and i said i hope y'all enjoyed that because i'm never doing that again mm-hmm. and uh and i went right back to 5ks but uh but yeah, i did it. it's hard i just wanted you, to do it and say i did it and now i've run i ran i ran a couple of half marathons after that but i've there's no joy in that for me. Like, like once I did it once and the conquest was over, I was like, that was great. Now take me back to the 3.2 miles. Our buddy Jason Seahorn and his wife Megan just ran New York, and I saw him at Jimmy Johnson's uh, announcement. What I guess we can't call it a retirement and whatever that announcement was, and and uh, his his announcement that he will no longer race full time in the Cup Series. I think it was a reason just to give out tequila. That's what I saw from um, the photos. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I mean, that's a, that's the most Johnson media gift ever is a little shot of Patron. Uh, but I saw Seabiscuit at, at Johnson's announcement and asked him how Marath, how, uh, how New York felt. He and Megan just ran New York and he was like, I didn't enjoy it. He's like, I'm, I'm done with that. Mess. Yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those that you say you did it. I, there's several things like that in my life where I'm like, yep, did that, cross that off the list, but I probably won't be doing that again. I don't know if I'm done. I, I keep I keep thinking it's like time for me to either try to get really good at the guitar or uh, take up golf. <laughs> One or the wow. Other. One or the other. Uh, I, I, you know, when I work out, I work out every day. I'm, I'm addicted to it. But I now do it. I don't do it. I used to do endurance races for the joy of the competition. But with our schedules now, I feel pressure to be prepared instead of the joy of the journey. And I don't need any more pressure. Right. So Laney and I got one of them Peloton bikes. And I'm enjoying that. Um, I, I'm enjoying it. It's, it's a, it's a good workout and they keep you pumped up and they play like you can choose. Your music, it's crazy the amount of categories they have on this Peloton thing. You can be like, I like 90s country. Let me go search that. Uh, 90s country, you know, 35, 30 minute, 45 minute 90s country ride. Awesome. Boom. So you're on this challenging workout ride, but you're listening to Mark Chestnut sing Bubba Shot the Jukebox. Really cool. Are you like that girl in that commercial? 
Uh, that girl in that commercial got famous, didn't she? She got famous, but, um, there was a little bit of pushback on that commercial because I think they got a little too aggressive with it. It's kind of like the Marty McGee, uh, promo on, promos on SEC Network. They were awesome and then they might have run too much. <laughs> well, I think there was also people freaking out that they still thought it was condescending in context. Right? Yeah. About her getting the bike to work out and then she like photos to the husband, but then Ryan, um, uh, Ryan Reynolds, his gin company hired her to do a commercial for the gin. And so she's kind of shot up there. Right. Good for her. And good for her, man. You got oh, no, Peloton absolutely. now gin. Let's go. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, you guys know this, my wife's an actress and she's been like the face on some regional commercials. And I can tell you, uh, because I know the business model, uh, Peloton, uh, gin girl, she's having a good year. That's like everybody. I remember old Larry Culpepper with the Dr. Pepper deal. He got and, rich. Uh, I was talking to him on the air on the elevator, and he actually broke character for a second. And I congratulated him because, like flow, all those people. I mean, they they're doing very well. That Allstate guy, the mayhem guy. Yeah, oh. he's, he's having. I mean, a, God, he's probably done twenty commercials. Yeah, right. Now they're they're. Uh, you get a hold of one of those, uh, you are in good shape. Well, the, uh, can, can you hear me now, guy for Verizon? Then goes and does Sprint. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, um, we need to get into this profession. Well, I know the guy, I know the, um, uh, well, I knew the, I was, I was really good friends with the father of the Dilly Dilly guy. The, the Bud Light guy. He's, he's, he's had a tremendous couple of years. So yeah. So good for Peloton girl, whether people are sick of looking at her or not. All right. Well, I guess we've successfully solved all the world's problems. <laughs> we figured out the Heisman trophy. We right. figured out. Uh, we, we've definitely grown your business today. There's, There's no, no doubt about, about the fact that. that we've, hell, we've given you five or six choices to go yeah. bolster your business model. If your business fails now, it ain't our fault. It ain't. I, by God, we tried. I can tell you that. We told you uh, what snacks to use to watch the yeah, bowl games. No doubt. We haven't gotten into, like, I guess, I guess, so next, next week, next week we're going to do a podcast about OJ Simpson and his Heisman Trophy. We're gonna do, uh, we're gonna have maybe like a, a beer wars, uh, con, uh, beer wars breakdown. Well, we're, we're gonna get the, uh, Xavier coach who went and, uh, put a thousand dollars down on a, uh, tab for his fans after beating Cincinnati. He's gonna come on next week to talk about how that. did, how did nobody ever devise a t-shirt? We should do this. We should have a t-shirt made. That says beer wars, like the Star Wars thing. And it should have like a Budweiser bottle as a Millennium Falcon. And it should have, uh, Miller Lite or whatever as the adversary. Or we should have Darth Vader holding a, you know, bu- a Budweiser lightsaber. Can we get this for the Myrtle Beach Bowl? That's yeah. what it is. It's yeah. Darth Vader holding a Budweiser, a right. Bud Saber. And it's Luke Skywalker holding a Miller lightsaber, a Bud lightsaber, and a Miller lightsaber. Okay, you're in on this. Of course, he's this in on is this. brilliant. This is hey, right yeah. up his alley. Oh yeah, no, it's it's fine. The uh, it's all it's all uh, yeah. We'll make some calls out to our our uh, Walt Disney Company colleagues at Lucasfilm and say, listen, this is coming. So, beer me. <laughs> all right. Well, I think we did a really. Really uh, mediocre job today. <laughs> McGee, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Always appreciate it. Marty and McGee's back January 18th on uh, 
ESPN Radio and the SEC Network. This is our radio show. The television show is now on hiatus until next season unless they decide they don't need us anymore. Um, If if the Southeastern Conference Network were to find itself uh, in New Orleans for the national championship game, I like our chances of doing something from there. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get a maybe if, we'll get to come by. If Ohio hour. State's playing, I think that uh, you guys should probably ask to have me come along. Yeah, if Ohio State's playing, then uh, you will need to uh, be there with me, along with uh, multiple members of the global security team. I yeah, I'll run security for you. Yeah, in case that guy that broke off that date with Becky Cox is there, <laughs> or that lady that showed up in my live shot one year. Anyway. Uh, Thank y'all. I appreciate it. We appreciate y'all listening so much. Uh, hopefully you took something that resembles joy from that rambling mess today. Travis, um, I hope you have a phenomenal week. Congratulations to your Buckeyes. Good luck to Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and the Ohio State boys, Justin Fields and Chase Young, as they go to the Heisman ceremony. That's an amazing life accomplishment for those guys. That's a dream. Thanks so much to our Public servants, our law enforcement officials, our, our, uh, first responders, our firemen for keeping our communities safe. And we appreciate our military so much. Thank you guys for everything you do to sacrifice for us so we can live in the greatest land in the world. We're blessed to do it. Have an amazing day. We'll see y'all next week and we'll try to do better. That's Marty Smith's America. Later. <laughs>